Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And go. this ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies with me. As always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics uh, that I will never, ever tire of discussing. We will at some point just have to cut ourselves off today because we're talking catching. We're talking backstops. We're talking the men who don the tools of ignorance. Uh, We're talking uh, captains of the field. The only people facing that direction while everyone else is facing them arguably the most difficult position in professional sports if aj hayfley was here he'd he'd throw it out for hockey goalies but we're talking catchers man i'm super excited to dive deep into it patrick we get to talk about who the colorado rockies currently have what they may be on the lookout there for on the free agent market and what they could look for in the trade market, covering it from all angles of this thing. And I both have to give a quick warning and a shout out to another one of our sponsors, because those of you who are regular DNVR listeners, in fact, I should say the hardcore DNVR folks who may have caught the DNVR Avalanche podcast today may already be aware that because of a Drinking game featuring Breck Brew. I'm already a couple in. All right, let's just let's just let everybody know where the host of the show is at. So we're ready to have some fun today. I've got my Breck Brew already going here in this fancy schmancy mug right here because I was able to mix the two to get the RK special, Patrick. You know, you get the Hot Peak IPA, mm. Strawberry Sky, right in there. Got that done. So I've got my Breck Brew situation settled. Get your Breck Brew situation settled. While we hop in to talking catchers, man, I'm 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 just stoked to get into it. The offseason's here. We get to finally start just thinking, even though some of these things we know are probably not going to happen, we at least get to consider them for a moment. And I love those moments, Patrick. I live for those moments. We're going to have a lot of moments to make those considerations because it could be a while until we start to see some of the chips fall into place as we were talking before we started a lot of players are getting their options declined. Uh, we're starting to see players get non-tendered contracts because they're making half of a million dollars more right. than their club would like. So they'll renegotiate something there. So a lot of chips need to fall and it could be a while, but we're going to do this every Friday where we bring it to you, hitting every position from all angles. As you said, see who's available free agency look at the depth chart for the rockies see what kind of trades they could do to improve because ultimately as good as the rockies are in some positions it's really only third base and shortstop where they don't need to make any adjustments whatsoever and even still you still might have to discuss 2022 and say right depending on how those star 
contracts go or don't go. Maybe you make a swap and you move this guy over to second base for next season. And if story leaves in free agency, you got your short future shortstop. Same thing for a third baseman or just a guy that's a, a stop gap before maybe Ryan McMahon is ready to move over. Whatever it is, you know, the Rockies have a lot that's up for grabs and catcher is a real good spot to start with, especially since last year at this time, Tony Walters was the buzz of the organization, a guy that, you know, they had helped develop and, and convert um, from an infielder during his time with Cleveland uh, to the backstop. He was had just, you know, kind of made that changeover, much like Dom Nunez, uh, another guy that's kind of in the mix there for a backup role spot. They also rostered Drew Butera as their third catcher. And an interesting pickup that they made this offseason in Elias Diaz, who was a waiver claim that ultimately allowed them to add a player on league minimum that they really like the potential for going forward. Now he's got some defensive um, issues that they, they need to work on. And if, you know, really if any organization can get quality defense out of a backstop, I think it is the Rockies organization and Mark strip matter uh, with everything that he's already done. Again, as we said, converting two infielders, middle infielders in, in Nunez and Walters uh, to successful defensive backstops. you got to like the odds of Diaz taking a step forward defensively. And, and what you've got is three catchers because Butera's gone now in, in free agency. Of course, he could be brought back. But you have three guys at the AAA level or better that you can bring back. And, and that is essentially who you start with or you start kicking some tires on some other free agents. Yeah, exactly right. I, I want to go ahead and begin there. Uh, you know, it was one of my favorite quotes of all time from the Disney version of the Alice in Wonderland film. I believe it is the, I can't remember if it's the Mad Hatter or if it's the Hare who says, start at the beginning. And when you come to the end, stop. And so I think where we need to start is at the beginning. And at the beginning of this season this last 2020 season tony walters was the unquestioned starter of this staff while he had certainly had his ups and downs uh, with the bat over the years uh, he had made it very clear that he was a sturdy solid very reliable defensive commodity work with this pitching staff and get the best out of them and it appeared as though his bat was evolving, right? Uh, he he finished 2018. Uh, people forget that actually that base hit up the middle against the Chicago Cubs didn't come totally out of nowhere. You look at his numbers, like how did a guy who hit a buck 95 for the year get such a big hit? But you actually look at the numbers he was doing right at the end of the season. He was a little bit hot. He was making good contact. He was starting to, to get some base hits out there. Uh, it's the reason the Rockies felt comfortable even keeping him on you know, the postseason roster. And then that positive momentum continued into 2019. Uh, that gets a little bit lost in the fact that the team is so bad, but Tony Walters making much better contact than he's ever made in his career. And so going into this year, Patrick, both you and I thinking, yeah, it's a little bit of pop to that bat, continues to, you know, not strike out very much, draw a decent walk rate for a guy who doesn't have much pop. And, and he makes himself into a very solid eight hitter, not nothing great, but a solid eight hitter. And man, in 2020, he just wasn't. He just he, he just reverted back to being one of by the by the numbers, one of the worst hitters in baseball. And, you, you know, I think if you are an extraordinary catcher, you can get away with being a substandard hitter. Uh, I don't know that you can get away with being as bad as Walters was in 2020. And the proof is in the pudding there where the Rockies by the end of the season were throwing out Elias Diaz in the hopes that he would get the hits, um, even though they weren't as sure about his defense. Yeah, it's going to make for an interesting situation because I think they are going to go out and, and, and make a move to bring in another catcher. I don't – and we'll well, – here, here's the teaser that we left yesterday on. Uh, they will not be signing JT Realmuto. How dare uh, you? Yeah, I know. They're not, they're not going to be doing that. And because of that, anybody else that they bring in, they they need to kind of 
um, guard against certain risks. So they're going to bring in a catcher almost of Diaz and Walter's caliber, you know, on a, on a incentive laden deal, you know, not for, not for a lot because the guy's really only getting a, a quarter of a mil or excuse me, three quarters of a, a million dollars or a million or a little bit more than that. The incentives are only going to bump them up to maybe two million top. So what you're going to end up seeing is is Diaz and Walters and a third guy. We'll we'll see if we can dig somebody up here in the conversation today, and essentially all have those guys battling for a spot and are battling for for the two spot two starting spots. There still could be room for that that third catcher as. Uh, next year and going forward, it's been negotiated that there are going to be 26 man rosters. So uh, you will have the luxury of, of carrying three catchers if you would like. Uh, of course, Don Nunez is it's kind of the fourth wheel, which yeah, I, I, I want to make that sound bad. But yeah. Fourth wheel doesn't sound so bad for the fourth wheel. Don Nunez would like to say, Hey man, what about me? And, and that is uh, a potential that he does have that same potential to work his way in, maybe as the backup catcher, but certainly at least to be one of the three catchers if they decide to go with three to start opening day 2021. Yeah, all of that's going to be absolutely fascinating to, to see how it plays out. And you have even discussed reasons. In fact, you kind of floated out there earlier um, why the Rockies maybe even would consider non-tendering Tony Wolters to save a little bit of money and to maybe open up a spot if they did want to go get a free agent catcher or maybe – if they finally decided that they do believe in Dom Nunez. Now the problem with the Nunez uh, equation is exactly what you just laid out there that now this is through their own fault. The Colorado Rockies have not played him at the major league level very much. And so we just don't have a sample size of him succeeding at major league baseball. And the fact of the matter remains until a guy does it at the highest level, you don't know if he can. All that said, uh, you know, based on my reports, uh, the people I've talked to, what I've seen when I've watched the young man play, all the tools are there. The defense is there and the bat. So, and, and I think you and I would both agree with this. He has higher potential than either Diaz or Walters. There's just no promise that he's going to reach that potential. He's also got, if you will, a lower floor. Because we know Diaz and Walters can hang at the big league level. And it may just be the case that Dom Nunez can't even hang. And so that's the difficulty with him. You've got a higher ceiling, lower floor guy right there at number three. And, and I wish we had a bit more of a sample size of him at the big league level. And, you know, because we don't, it, it's hard to rely on that. And so that's why I think that either way, even if you're, you know, like me, and, and you have a great deal of belief that Dom Nunez can become a thing, you can't be reliant on that. You've got to very seriously look at adding, essentially doing this, improving upon the Drew Butera situation, right? Think of it that way, right? That he's been the third guy. Nunez will be there. If, if the minor leagues return and he starts hitting, or even if they've got satellite, whatever it is, if, if he impresses the right people, Nunez will get his shot. And I think that time is coming and it'll be when it comes that that's all on Nunez. That's almost a separate equation. So you've got Wolters and Diaz over here with Butera gone. And I, I see a lot of people on Twitter just expecting them to bring back Butera. And I understand why I get it. But the question we're asking ourselves today is how do you better that situation? And wildly innocent actually brings up a great question that's worth remembering as we go through our list of names here today asking who's the best catcher in Rockies history because the answer to that question is Chris Iannetta and that's that's the right answer it's <laughs> not the obvious answer Let's maybe. Say there's room to improvement that there's room there for improvement you know um your Vitorialba had some great seasons um Willine Rosario is the best offensive season as a catcher in Rockies history early on, you got some great individual seasons out of Joe Girardi, Jeff Reed. Uh, but if you're looking for guys that actually just did for any like consistent time for or like a year over year average did relatively well in a Rockies uniform, it's, it's Chris Iannetta. Yeah. So you got to be able to do better than that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and, 
but they're they're not. They're they're not going to be. And again, that's not a a, a question you need to answer. Like, hey, you know what would make this team better? Trying to have the greatest catcher in franchise history. Like that's that's a footnote ultimately, right? Like you could get nothing out of the catcher spot and uh, you know, make, make the playoffs, win 90 games. So like, that's, that is what it is. While I do think Diaz may have more upside than, than Nunez, especially offensively. And just overall, again, you know, one, one guy's 26, the other guy's 30 years old. Um, I do think, you know, the thing that will help Nunez get a little playing time is the thing that we're going to be talking about all off season. And we've already been, is this idea that there's a numbers crunch. So the fact that Dom Nunez is right there, a guy who, who had a, his cup of coffee and in 2019 was there at the alternate site. They know what they've got uh, in him for better or worse. Maybe they think, ah, it's going to be a little bit below average. You know, they're, they're, he might not figure it out next year in 2021, regardless of how good or bad or how many wins, uh, you know, uh, positive war or negative war he's going to contribute. He will be making the league minimum. And I think that's one of the things that's really going to benefit him going forward because I'm sure the Rockies would love to have some insurance uh, and, and have a, a more veteran presence as, as let's say their, their third catcher, especially if they don't, you know, bring Walters back or if they do bring him back, uh, which I think they're going to try to do, but just on yeah. a much uh, lower guaranteed deal. They're going to pinch him. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to want a veteran presence, but yeah. really, really cheap. And at a certain point, I think some guys, as much as they love the game and as much as they, you know, would love to make close to a million dollars playing baseball with, with a lot of good years ahead of them. I think we are just kind of at a bottleneck right now. And there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be kind of forced up against it and say, you know, how much do I want to keep playing? And, you know, at, at what yeah. cost, you know, Ian Desmond is that guy where he's yeah. only going to be making $8 million next year. He's had a year away with his, his, his beautiful family and he's enjoying, he's, he's showing his, his daughter how to skate uh, there's a cool video I saw on Instagram. And so it's like, right. you know what? He's made some good money. He's a smart dude. He's made great investments. Do you want to, you know, go back out in, in 2021 with, you know, uh, a situation that still could be a little bit fluid, you know, right. for $8 million? Uh, maybe not. So right. we're talking about a guy making 8 million versus, you know, a backup catcher saying, I got to make, you know, $750,000 here when, I should be on a, at least a $2 million deal. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And, and as we're about to get into, like, ain't none of these dudes spring chickens. Like, none of these guys no. who are free agents are, like, young up-and-comers. That's not how the catcher situation works. The the one thing I'll say, because I, I think that it can be a toss-up. I'm actually glad you said that about Diaz, because the reason I put, put Nunez's um, potential over Diaz is, is the power. Um, but that's not necessarily – uh, a philosophy that I've always consistently subscribed to, right? I've been this great defender of contact and contact hitting. And you, you look at Diaz's size and his ability to make contact and not strike out, and you feel like he should hit for a lot more power. He really he doesn't. He doesn't hit many home runs. But uh, I'm also with you that actually, and especially at Coors Field, and I think we saw it start to play uh, there when when he got in, was – him making contact, I, I just, you could, it was a difference maker in the lineup, right? Everyone, we try not to do this too much, but you could feel it. You could feel the difference in the lineup when he was in there at catcher and every at bat, you're like, well, he could line one right down the line for a double. He's going to hit one the other way. He's probably not going to strike out. Where when Walters came up, you felt like a three pitch strikeout is as likely an outcome as, as anything else. Same thing with Drew Butera, right? And so it was just like, it was just night and day. And, and I think, you know, Nunez is still going to have some of those, the, the, the strikeouts, he's a young player. There there's, there's not quite as much strikeout in his game as you'd think, but the 450 foot home run is in that bat. And, and, and that's something worth remembering if, if you're going to go with the kid, um, it, it's always worth remembering that pop is, is real. He can, he can get a hold of them. Uh, and I, and I wouldn't be at all against seeing that tandem and it would be really weird. Like, we're about to get into the fun part, so let me just say this. The negative part of if the Rockies like just non-tendered Walters and just walked away from him and then just ran with Diaz and Nunez as a righty-lefty platoon, veteran, young player platoon, 
and then just sign like some old dude to hang out in AAA, brought back Butera, even like, I don't think that's the worst direction in the world to go to. People would see that yeah. as a totally stagnant move where I would see that as a move from Walters as your primary catcher to Diaz and Nunez as your primary catchers. Right. Yeah. And it would be a disappointing move just uh, in the clubhouse front because Walters is right. he's one of those oh, guys. He's, he's oh, kind oh, of a – I'm not going to say he's a quiet leader because he's not quiet in that – not in that even quiet anymore. Nope. But but those guys really look up to him. And you you wouldn't think you go, well, Tony Walters, yeah, we know he's good defensively, but what can he do in the bat? No, the pitchers on that staff really do look up to him even though they need to look down at him uh, <laughs> since he's a little shorter. But – the, the dude is uh, a real clubhouse presence, man, in, in a major way. So that would be the biggest hit that they would take. And I think that's where they need to find that balance and say, well, how much is that clubhouse presence worth? So uh, now how we're doing all the, the rocks and roll articles, everyone make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com. And one of the things we're doing in these rocks and roll articles is running through like basically nine different elements of each player on the Rockies finishing with, are they going to be on the team next year? Or not, and, you know, we talk about their contract. We give you their stats for this year. You know, a little summary of what they've done. One of the things we talk about is intangibles, and at some point, we're going to write that intangibles section for Tony Walters, and it's just going to be like the entire like, oh, we're going to write a book in the middle of this. Right? Like, how do you measure uh, of anybody on the team? His intangibles are probably the most important. Yeah, there there are guys in that organization, Double A down that to a man when you when you ask them about their development they go i mean tony's been fantastic here in spring training and and you you realize the impact that right, you got to think about drew romo and mm -hmm. willie mciver and stuff man like yeah 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 brian servant chris robago all those guys when when they're they're catching um, the pitchers early in in february like when pitchers and pitchers and catchers report that's a great time for walters to kind of you know, preach the the tools of ignorance there to to the younger players, and he's done that incredibly well. So, I don't know about you, but let's just, we need to see who who's going to be Tony's replacement. Maybe who's going to be Elias's Elias Diaz's replacement? Right. Yeah. We'll, starter out there for the Colorado I'll, Rockies. I'll tell you what. Some of these players might be waiting around for a while. So before we start getting into their names, I've got a little bit of advice for them. I tell you a lot about playing a little WGT golf that you can download totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. Maybe you're hanging out at the bank. You're in line. Maybe you're socially distancing in the grocery store. You're in one of those little bubbles and you're six feet back at the grocery store, the liquor store where you're buying your Breck brew, you know, but you just got to wait there. It takes a little bit longer now that we've all got to be a little more spaced out and you, you got time on your hands. So you get on your phone, you download WGT golf totally for free from dnvrgolf.com. And then you can play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world famous golf courses, including St. Andrews and Beth Page Black, all kinds of stuff. You can challenge us here on the DNVR staff. We're up to, I think we've got like 750 something members now in the DNVR community, just in our country clubs, hanging out, ready to play games, talk a little trash, or maybe just have fun talking to you about who you think the Rockies should trade for. Or if you're more in the football season right now, whatever's going on, I'll tell you what, a little wacky stick golf with WGT, totally free. Did I mention it was free at dnvrgolf.com? No better way to pass the time as these guys are sitting around waiting to find out if any contract offers are going to roll in because uh, it's going to be a long and cold winter for a lot of guys. And as I said, Patrick, this free agent crop of catchers that we take a look at now, uh, it begins – you know, with JT Real Muto at 30 years old as clearly the far and away, runaway, best available free agent catcher. And he'll set the market, and it won't be the Rockies who sign him, but it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what a guy of his caliber, who is both a plus offensive player and a plus defensive player behind the plate, which is a remarkably rare commodity, um, and still not well past his prime at 30 years old. This is a guy that, if not for COVID, should be making. I mean, I don't need he, he's a hundred million dollar player. Mm -hmm. I mean, a contract of five, six years, hundred million dollar. He, he's worth that kind of money or more. Um, 
especially because again, from all accounts, I've seen his intangibles off the chart. He's just a great catcher. He's he's the best catcher in baseball, and he's on the free market right now. He's going to get pinched, and it's sad. <laughs> and I'm sad <laughs> now. I'm sad. Yeah. In a normal season, you know, JT Realmuto would have been a much more household name. Of course, you know, would have been starting for the National League uh, with the Phillies. You know, came up with the Miami Marlins, so relative obscurity there. So he finally got an opportunity to play with a, a bigger market club with the Phillies and is, you know, not because it's his fault, but is one of the reasons why Matt Klintak is no longer uh, the general manager of the Phillies because the Phillies had to give up a lot to get Rio Muto and they got their money's worth, but they got him because of the two year window last year. And in 2020, that was going to give the Phillies an opportunity. And they were not one of the eight teams that made the postseason in the national league, not one of the eight teams. So they lost Sixto Sanchez along with a couple other really quality prospects there. Alfaro. And that's going to, that's going to hurt them. Yeah. Jorge Alfaro that they had originally gotten in the Hamels deal. So it's, it it was, it was a good deal for, for Miami, of course, but Real Muto is going to make some good money out there. And he's one of only two catchers uh, available in free agency. That's 30 years old. So this is not a market. You think if you want to get a young catcher with fresh knees and legs, they can hang. Those guys can hang and, and stick around. One of the more valuable players to the Yankees, maybe not statistically wise, but um, to their organization last year was a 41-year-old by the name of Eric Kratz, who's yeah. named Rockies fans will remember from the 2018 NLDS as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. But Real Muto, 30 years old. Uh, Mike Zunino, who uh, had his option declined by Tampa Bay. In fact, their other catcher from the World Series – uh, Michael Perez, he was also put on waivers, was claimed by Pittsburgh. So uh, both their backstops are are Gonsville uh, right now, the the World Series uh, AL champs, Tampa Bay Rays. So you got those two guys at 30, 31. James McCann, who was a guy that last offseason, I thought maybe the Rockies could have picked up in a deal, uh, especially after the White Sox had signed Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I imagine the price was too high. He delivered. I think he's going to get – um, some real good money. And then after that, you got 32-year-olds, 33-year-olds that, again, you can catch lightning in a bottle, much like the Rockies did, I think, to an extent with Elias Diaz. Um, it's yeah. nobody exciting. I think last offseason, last two, had a lot better uh, and more exciting catchers. You know, Robinson Chirinos and Martin Maldonado, again, not household names, but they are guys that you could wish upon and say, hey, man, this guy could maybe knock 15 home runs really kind of firm up the the catcher spot and, and be a starter mm-hmm. three out of every five days. Uh, and I don't really think there are those options out there with this class. Uh, after Zunino, Rio Muto, and James McCann, you'd be really hard-pressed to, to find a guy that, that can catch more days than not. Yeah, well, let me name a few because I think there are a couple. There's a couple of guys out here who, who I think could really be interesting options for the Rockies again, because they do have, you know, Diaz and, and, and Nunez around. So maybe they don't need to be reliant on any of these players to be a primary catcher necessarily. I do want to mention one of the names that you, you threw out there uh, in the list. I've always been a fan of Robinson Chirinos um, as a fit for the Rockies because the profile, and I might be wrong about this, uh, this Daniel Murphy situation didn't exactly play out, but low strikeout rates, high barrel rates, high slugging for a catcher, uh, makes good contact, and still rates out as an above-average catcher. The biggest problem with Robinson Trevinos is about to be 37 years old. <laughs> and, and so, you know... Uh, uh, at one, at some point, he's going to stop hitting his 15 or 16 home runs a year. And he did have a spike in strikeouts this very short season. So I'm looking for something a little lower than that. I've always been fascinated in what Wilson Ramos, now at 33 years old, could do in a Rockies uniform. Now he is also one of those guys. And, and this is, look, I know exactly what the narrative would be if they sign him. He's on the downswing of his career. 
No argument with that. Uh, last couple of years have been much worse. Uh, you know, he's in 2018, he put up a, a 131 WRC plus and was an above average defensive catcher. In fact, this last year for the Mets, Fangraph still rated him out as an above average defensive catcher. And that's why I would maybe kick the tires on Ramos because at 33, I'm thinking he actually seems pretty solid as a defender. And I don't think his knees are quite dead yet. And the biggest thing on Ramos's resume for me, Patrick, if, if I'm trying to give you the full sell job right now, is a career 16.6% strikeout rate. In 2019, the last full season he played, it was a 13.2% strikeout rate for a catcher who still more often than not rates out as above average. Now, we know age could catch up with any of these guys. Look, anyone we're talking about today, you got to throw like, hey, they're 33, 34. At some point, they might just die. But <laughs> other than that, I like that contact rate. I like that his defense is steady. I like that he's handled a pitching staff of legitimate stars out there in New York. Um, and I like to dream a little bit on what his pop might be able to accomplish at Coors Field. What am I missing? What, am, what have I undersold? What are the biggest problems here with a Wilson Ramos? The price tag. That's it. Everything you've said is is would make him a really solid option in a normal year with a team that was going to be in contention or or could possibly make themselves a contender with a couple right moves. I think Wilson Ramos could definitely do that. Now the the Mets, you know, uh, the 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 Mets did not pick up his ten million dollar option, so that kind of gives you somewhat of an idea of the ballpark price he's going to be around. I think it could go as low as $6 million, you know, a one-year deal with an option or, you know, mutual option, something like that. So do that a hundred times. Yeah. We're talking, we're literally saying here, $6 in this spot is too much. Now in some other positions that, that we'll get to, you know, uh, during this off season, that's $6 million. You say, Hey, that is, that is ripe for the taking, but when you can go out there and catch lightning in a bottle, and and even if you just stick with the with the guys that you have between Diaz, Diaz, Nunez, and Walters, even if you paid Walters what he's going to get in arbitration, you're essentially paying three to three and a half million dollars for a catching core. And so to go out to pay Wilson Ramos, who maybe has a really solid season, you know, nearly twice that, it's the risk reward just isn't necessarily there. And I think in the same vein as a Wilson Ramos, who talk about a guy who's you know kind of used to getting paid uh, and has a bit of a name for himself, um, you do have an interesting free agent out there, future Hall of Famer, oh. Javier Molina. <laughs> Is he 58 years old? No, he's, he's 57, so he's not 58. <laughs> He'll turn 58 during the season, Drew. Get your facts right. Um, but Yadier Molina, you got to mention him just because you're not necessarily sure what the price is going to be on him. What he's looking to do is he looking to win a championship? You know, does he does he want to play with um, uh, some 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 other players of of his ilk? Does he want to help develop a pitching staff and and work with some uh, younger catchers in their system? Probably not. But it is one that you can kick the tires on and dream about as a Rockies fan and say, oh, shoot, we might have our fourth Hall of Fame player in our midst. We still don't know about Trevor Story. He's got a way to go. But we already got Walker. Todd Helton's on the way. Nolan Arenado will eventually get there. Yadier Molina, Rockies Hall of Famer. I don't hate it. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and put that in the. In I don't the, hate it either, but that's uh, about all I could say about that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, let me let me take your bargain bin shopping for a minute because I actually think that would be super fun, especially if they allow us back in the clubhouse next year, and then we would get to interview Yadi or Molina, and you and I would be like, <laughs> just uh, that would be amazing. But again, probably not. Let let let's walk down the the whatever the opposite of the yellow brick road is the like red brick road of reality and cold, hard bargain bin shopping. 
brick, it would be made of pudding. That's correct. Opposite. And it wouldn't be a road, it would be a stream. Love it. So Sorry. the pudding stream. Of, uh, no. Obviously. Here's a bargain bin option that I really, really, really am okay with. <laughs> I like conceptually the idea of Austin Romine. Now that that may yeah, there there may be people googling Austin going to the FanGraphs machine right now. Who in the world is is Austin Romine? Well, Austin Romine is an okay catcher who came up through the uh, Yankees system. He's 31 years old. He's about to turn 32. He'll play next season in his age 32 season. For most of his career, he's been uh, an above average to at times even well above average defensive catcher. And offensively, he's been okay. For most of his career, he's been just below. In fact, those of you that have been following along with the podcast a lot lately, talking a lot about OPS plus, WRC plus, these kinds of things, he's been a mid-90s guy. Now, that's not anything to get excited about. Unless, like Patrick and I, you've <laughs> spent the last couple of weeks looking through the last 28 years of Rockies history and recognizing how few times they've had dudes at 95, particularly catchers. The Rockies' offense tend to consist of two or three guys, sometimes four or five guys, hitting 130 or better, and then a bunch of dudes just striking out all day. Those 90 players, those just below the average or right around the league average, filling out the bottom of your lineup, offense guys have been relatively hard to come by, especially at catcher. Now, Romine... This 60-game sample size, he only played 37, didn't do well, had a career high in strikeouts and a career worse in, in just about everything else. It was a bad offensive year. But that may mean, Patrick, that despite the fact that he's the youngest player we've talked about here in a minute, uh, <laughs> other than, you know, Real Muto, at 31 years old, he may not come with that high a price tag because he's never hit especially well, but he hits okay. This could be a sneaky good pick if the Rockies could get him at the right price. Yeah, he only made four million dollars in, in free agency this this past year, so you know we know he hasn't really reached some some serious heights. Did go to El Toro High School, alma mater of Nolan Arenado, and his brother Andrew also uh, played ball at Mission Viejo with Josh Fuentes. So you got a lot of interesting connections. Baseball can really be a small world. Uh, once you really kind of dive into it and, and realize all the, the familial connections that are going on there. And I like, I like Austin Romine too. He had an awful season, uh, yeah. but again, it was a short season and he definitely could be one of those bargain pickups. Like, you know, to kind of to get back to where we, we started, I just don't think that the Rockies are going to, you know, make any substantial move. They're going to guarantee really much of anything to the catcher position, anything more than, than $2 million. Right. Uh, but maybe Romine is one of those guys. Again, they, they could covet him and they could say, you know what, we are going to give you $2 million guarantee with incentives that will bump you up to 4 mil and say, you know what, we believe in you to be the guy because your glove is just as good as Tony Walters, maybe a notch below, but your bat is definitively better. And we think we can make some adjustments with Dave Magadan. Should he still be around? Mm -hmm. uh, and, Overall, you know, that $2 million is going to go a little bit further with Austin Romine. So he'd be one of those kind of bargain basement guys to go after. But when you look at the rest of this list of free agents, a lot more of those are bargain basement guys. So it makes you think Romine is going to get that $2 million, $3 million somewhere else. But regardless of 2020, you and I are on the same page. I, I also like Austin Romine. Yeah. Uh, and and just to fill out a little bit what you were saying there at the end, like a few players that I, I would just say stay away from any possible temptation. Matt Weeters, it's been six years, guys. He's not what he was. He strikes out way, way too much. Most of these guys are are striking out way too much. Um, Zunino, you like the idea? There's raw power there. He's young, like you said. He strikes out 30 plus percent of the time. It's it's too much. It's th that's why 
you know, you, you've got to look at these, especially if you're going to spend any money at all, like you just said, Patrick. That's why I, I hope maybe Romine could fall into that Goldilocks zone because these other guys, you're just not, you know, you're you're not throwing money at Wellington Castillo. What do we do? No, come on. Uh, you know, that's that. <laughs> so there's really nothing after that. Weeders, uh, you might be hoping for a bounce back because he's 30. No, it's not. No, you don't. You have the patience for that. Try Dom Nunez if that's your your concept. Right. So I think really in that Goldilocks zone, unless the Rockies surprise us and go big. And I think the biggest they would go is is Wilson Ramos. They won't go up to McCann or, or Real Muto. They just they just won't. A Ramos would make us would pop our eyes a little bit and go, hey, whoa, all right, okay, but not not you know we wouldn't be texting each other, holy son of a you know we we'd be like, oh, oh okay, all right, okay, here they go, um, you know, but I don't expect that either. Uh, so so we'll see, and and I do expect that they will mostly aim their free agent money if they have any depending on what they claim to have in other areas but patrick that's not the only avenue by which a team can improve as you've reminded us throughout the off season and if you want to be all set and ready you want to be up to speed on all this stuff you want to have your brain sharpened so that you can join us for these free trade Fridays and create your own trade. So we can be talking about your proposal. You may just have the idea that can fix the Colorado Rockies. So there's a, a couple of steps you got to go through here. You'll, you'll get to baseballtradevalues.com in a little while, but before you go there, I'll tell you what, you got to check out our friends at MSU Denver online. They're going to sharpen up your head brains, your brain heads, your knowledge bases, because they are the experts in digital education a lot of people in a tough spot right now they don't know what to do with the world closing back down again it feels like you don't want to put your education on pause you want to be able to tackle the world when it's at full strength we'll go to msudenver.edu slash online and check out their full course options they got incredibly responsive teachers remarkable courses that you can take that fit into your schedule and again they are the experts in this they're not just learning how to do it now for the very first time ever so check them out today at msudenver.edu slash online and now patrick we get to move into the free trade friday segment of the show we got some available catchers out there on the market for the Colorado Rockies, if they want to be a little bit more aggressive, because I think ultimately that would be the aggressive move. That is, if it's not anyone other than Gary Sanchez, because Gary Sanchez seems to be the top trade acquisition, and we've got two of those deals. Give me, give me, give me, give me. One you will like more than the other. Let's start with this one. We've got John Gray and Jeff Hoffman going to the New York Yankees, and immediately you're saying, oh, God, those guys are going to be great in New York. Yeah, Damn I it. hate that already. But John Gray <laughs> and Jeff Hoffman, you only got John Gray for one year, for two years of yeah. Gary Sanchez, right. and you have one of the Yankees' top ten pitching prospects in Alexander Vizcaino. Roughly equal contracts for Gray and Sanchez. Am I correct in that? That it, I'm, I've looked at Sanchez's contract. I'm, I'll bring it up right now. <laughs> I want, yeah, I want, Sanchez is, is two more years of, of arbitration. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking just him. A, uh, dollar amount. Yeah, yeah. And I think because he still has one more year, I think I think the next year he'll uh, in 2022 he'll end up getting more money than what Craig gets this year in his final year of arbitration. He got five million dollars last year yep. uh, before it was prorated. So imagine you know even though he had, did have a down year. In 2020, you know, because arbitration has a lot to do with what you made uh, or what you did previously. And the kid was a, a two time all star the previous three seasons, second uh, runner up in, in the rookie of the year in, in 2016, was a runner up in just 53 games, mind you. Also got MVP votes in 2017. So he's going to make maybe eight to nine million dollars next year, which is very close to what John Gray will be making next year. And then there's still the second and final year 
uh, excuse me, third and final year of arbitration. That's Sanchez. Right. So you're getting two years of Sanchez for one year of Gray. Not bad. And, and, and that, you know, again, I'm doing quick math that I probably don't even need to do necessarily, but that would probably be the savings you would get once Ian Desmond, if he doesn't retire, were to come off your books, right? So you're basically taking the contracts of Gray and the money that you would save from Desmond in a second year and giving all of that to Sanchez. That's where that money would go in that situation. I don't hate it, hate it as somebody who generally doesn't like the idea of taking John Gray away from Coors Field because I'm so obviously obsessed with that element of it. And I'm fine using that word, whatever. But everyone else is going to be, I get to be too. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, I don't like the idea of, of getting rid of John Gray at this time. That said, looking at this as a business element, I, I think that's a fair deal. And like you said, um, you know, I don't know what the kid would be able to do at Coors. And we do know that the Colorado Rockies have never had an all-star talent at catcher at Coors Field. And it would be really fascinating to see what that looked like. And this might be the only way to get it done. They've literally never even had a catcher represent them in the all-star game. That's correct. So that is strange. Yeah. This guy, you know, a right-hander that uh, in 2019 did get up to high A with, um, with the Charleston, uh, South Carolina, the, the river dogs uh, of, of the South Atlantic league. And so he's a starter, you know, he's, he's a lanky, lengthy kid was a late bloomer. And so would kind of, I think, help out your system, especially you're giving up, you know, Jeff Hoffman there. And there could be other guys you could swap out because as you see here, according to baseball trade values, his value is ultimately zero. It's not negative because there are players who are negative value, uh, but it's actually just zero. So you could swap them out for somebody else. Should Yankee, should the Yankees want to pluck somebody else? Yeah, as, as I've played with this tool on uh, baseballtradevalues.com, which everyone should do for our free trade Friday stuff, one of the things I've noticed, Patrick, is that you basically got a collection of pitchers on the Rockies who, if you and I were the two-headed GM of this team, would basically be saying, all right, here's four or five guys who basically all rate out as pitchers who come out to that that that, that zero value. And like you said, that there, there's value to that because there's a lot of players who are, are negative. And it's like you've got like Jeff Hoffman or like, Jose Mujica, um, you know, a lot of these young guys who are kind of in between who haven't totally proven themselves. Ashton Godot is maybe a little bit lower, but these these types of players who've got some potential, a little bit of team control, they're not making any money, but they haven't really shown any ability at the big league level yet. And they're interesting throw-in pieces in trades for teams where you're like, hey, if you're not sold that this guy's going to do it for you, well, here's this other guy that maybe you feel like you can get more out of Jose Mujica is actually my favorite one right now because he was just like so terrible in a very short stint at the big league level, but his minor league level numbers are so sterling and he's coming off the Tommy John surgery. And so you're just like, all it takes is one GM out there to be like, I can get the most out of that guy. And I think Jeff Hoffman's yeah. another one of those guys where you go 98 with a wicked hook. I, I can do something with that. Well, if you don't want to give up John Gray for Gary Sanchez, no. you've got another deal where you're giving up one of your top outfield prospects, okay. Brenton Doyle, as well as, again, a throw-in piece, Rain Gonzalez. You could, that could be Jeff Hoffman. So you're giving up Brenton Doyle. The real question is, I don't think the Yankees are doing this deal. Right? No. They don't need to build their, their farm system. It's solid already. But if you were to make a deal like this and they were to covet Brenton Doyle, um, third-round pick from 2019 – you, the Rockies would get Gary Sanchez, but maybe more importantly, not because he's going to be a superstar, but he does help you out at first base. And that is Mike Ford. So you are I getting like two players for the price of one. You're weakening your farm system, but you're making the on-field product all the more better with a new starting catcher and a guy that can start against righties uh, at first base in Mike Ford. What I think is interesting about this, and you're right, the Yankees probably wouldn't take it unless they they do covet Brenton Doyle a bit more than we know. And they might, as we know with Mike Talkman, at least for one year, they were able to get the most out of a Rockies outfielder who had decent numbers in the minors but wasn't quite clicking at the major league level. Doyle's a, a better prospect in my mind than Talkman ever was. And while they don't need to rebuild their farm system, 
their injuries in the outfield have shown that they they need insurance. They need those guys out there who can step up and and be good for them. And Talkman in his second year has failed to be that guy. I think it would be interesting. Uh, again, yeah, I don't. I would obviously do that deal in a heartbeat. I don't think the Yankees would necessarily, but working from that framework, that would be something where, you know, you start looking around at your other prospects who were in that 3.6 range. And part of the Rockies problem is they don't have a ton of those guys, as we've talked about, not a lot of guys in that level who are at least rated uh, that way. But if you're trying to build for the now and you're willing to part with a decent prospect and you can get back both Gary Sanchez and somebody who can help you out a little bit at first base. Absolutely willing to do that. Yeah. Two cool pieces with Mike Ford is one, he was an undrafted player. So you have two undrafted players platooning at first first base. Gotta love that. And two, you, I'm not sure if you're going to love this or hate this, but he's from New Jersey. So he and I will have a lot of great, Jersey-based conversations in the clubhouse. And that's not why. I, that's not why I like this this deal. I'll, I'll be honest. I got to be fair. I like my Jersey guys, but you know, sometimes we butt heads too. Don't hate it. <laughs> Don't hate it. All right, and our third and final one that we're going to get to is more for a backup player, backup catcher, but is more about the other players involved, and that is a deal between the Colorado Rockies and the Cincinnati Reds, who are very clearly trying to win right now, and that means win in 2021. The Rockies would get Kurt Casale as their backup catcher, uh, closer Raciel Iglesias uh, from Cuba, and uh, Nick Senzel, their first overall pick just a few years ago, who can play just about anywhere uh, in and around the diamond. But the uh, Rockies would have to give up uh, two of their top prospects, Aaron Schunk, Chris McMahon, who they just uh, took in the second round of the 2020 draft, Michael Givens, a relief pitcher who they just picked up from Baltimore, and, oh, yeah, Trevor Story, well, no. the franchise shortstop. Now, granted, he's a free agent after 2021, but I think, honestly, I think the, the Rockies would say no to this deal just as much for the fact that they would have to give up Shunk and McMahon as they would Trevor Story. Because while Shunk and McMahon, you know, Shunk might not be the next Nolan Arenado and Chris McMahon might not become the next John Gray, but those are two guys, two, you know, I'm not going to say depth pieces, but they're depth pieces in their organization, in their farm system that they are going to need going forward. They don't need a a closer in Raceo Iglesias if they're not going to contend right now. And obviously this trade suggests they're not because they're giving up Trevor Story. Nick Senzel's a nice guy to have. I'd love to have him plugged into the top of the Rockies lineup. That being said, I I, I don't know. You're you're Robin Peter to pay Paul, and and yeah. someone else is making out on this deal a lot better. Uh, I I think the I think the Reds would say yes to this, but the Rockies would absolutely say no, and I would agree with them on that. Yeah, yeah. That and and, and I think and and I'm glad we brought this one up because I think it's indicative of the kind of thing you know when Rockies fans think about oh rebuild and trade player x y or z they they tend to oversell what they think they're going to get in return and i think this is actually a very realistic offer of what the rockies would get for these players and and i think as you said rightfully they would turn it down because they're going to covet trevor story maybe more than these numbers suggest he's worth they see a bit more projection there uh, i know they're very high on both shunk and mcmahon and obviously they're high on givens uh, and, and and that's why they acquired him i've always been interested in um Rossiel iglesias uh, because his name has been floated out there for years in in trade rumors and he's never actually been traded and so I, i've always thought that would be very interesting to see how he would look on the Rockies, but it doesn't matter if you're moving out Trevor story and you're not a competitive team anymore. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think the Rockies hang up pretty quickly on that one. Yeah. It, it's weird because it, you know, you only get Iglesias for a season and maybe you flip him at the trade deadline, which is not something Colorado is, is frequently known to do. You get Nick Senzel for the next five seasons, but again, you're okay. And, and, and Senzel can be a part of that future. That one guy is a part of that future, but then you just subtracted 
two players that are, yeah. are going to be a part of your future McMahon and Chunk. So it, it doesn't make sense. It's exciting. It seems fair, you know, and in, in, in a different year in a different place in time, you go, Hey, you know what? Maybe this deal can work. Senzel might be able to play a little bit of shortstop, played third base at university of Tennessee and has since played some center field and second base, but yeah, just nope, not at all. It's going to be a no from me, dog. I think so. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, so for our, our final little segment there, since we are on the cusp of Halloween here and some of you are even listening to it on Halloween, I suggest we play a, a quick game. I tell you what, the, D, the, the DMBA show, the, the Nuggets guys, they had a lot of fun. They drafted their favorite Halloween candies. And yeah. um, that is worth a listen. Even if you're not a basketball guy, you can learn that one of them has never went trick-or-treating before. Yes, that's true. One of them forgot his favorite candies, and, and they like – could have drafted him like two or three times. Didn't even oh, do it at all. One guy went all chocolate, which he was my my pick. But nevertheless, starfish cut. Starfish yeah. cut. Yeah. With the sweet or the sour to start off, Drew. What would you like, sweet or sour? Oh man, just to start. Let's go with sweet. All right, let's go with the sweet. We've got Milky Way, mm. Snickers, mm. and Three Musketeers. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start Snickers. That's the easiest one for me. For me, Snickers is, is king of the candies. That's, that's top. That's number one. Okay. Right? We got, we got Snickers. Um, Starting Snickers. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to put three musketeers on, on my bench that I like that light, light thing it's got going on. And, and look, no disrespect Milky Way. Um, we, look, we appreciate everything you've done this season. Uh, you are real value. You are an asset throughout our entire minor league campaign. But you're the best solar system we could possibly live in. The, and, and I love the creaminess of your center. But I got to cut you. You're out of here. You're out of here, Milky Way. I'm sorry. I hope you get picked up out there on the market. Drew, we are identical. No. In our start bench cut. Now, yeah. growing up, I was a Milky Way guy. My dad was a Milky Way guy. He liked to put him in the freezer, too. And somehow he still has most of his teeth. I don't know how. So Milky Way used to be my go-to. Then mm. I got a little older, and I said, all right, let's try some different textures. Snickers became one of my faves. Three Musketeers, always great. Um, so Snickers is my start. I'll bench Three Musketeers. And Milky Way, which used to be a favorite, now gets cut. Sorry, there comes a day in time where everybody has to move on. It's harsh reality. A Snickers is like a meal. It's like there's like a whole there's so much in there. It's like you get protein. Yeah. Fiber. If you eat the wrapper, you're getting fiber. I think that's right. All right. I'm gonna go first now on, on our last one here. And I'm we're gonna sour. go sour. We've oh. got sour patch kids, Skittles, and Starburst. Oh. Now I, I'm going to do this. So I was dressed up for our Halloween show here and you're saying you just look like yourself. No, I've got a Scherzi on of everyone's favorite left handed hitting left fielder of the Colorado Rockies. And that would be Seth Smith. Seth Smith. There it is. <laughs> I was thinking maybe he's got Todd Hollinsworth or uh, he's got, Oh, there it is. The Seth Smith number seven. Of course, the most famous and popular number seven in the history of Colorado sports. No one has been, I can't think anyway. I, I can't think of a single more popular number yeah, seven in the history of Colorado sports. I'm gonna go one, I'm, I'm gonna go one further and say the greatest number seven in baseball history. Right. Right. And yeah, if again, Madigan Creaseman says anything, I we will shoot her down because yeah. I think she's talking about. She does not know. All right. So for me, this is easy, but not fun because I'm not a sour candy guy. I'm really not. Okay. So I'm going to say Skittles at the top, an all-time classic. And while I haven't really had Sour Patch Kids very much in my life, I feel like they're on the newer side, 20 years. They're not like a Charleston shoe. I'm yeah. going to finish Sour Patch Kids, and I'm going to cut Starburst. Starburst do nothing for me. The only thing they ever did for me was lose a bet 
that uh, I made when I was doing student teaching. The guy who was my mentor during the middle of the test, of course, the kids are trying to concentrate. And here we are up at the desk, and I was giving him a taste test. He said, I can taste the flavors in Starburst. I kind of misconstrued what Starburst does with Skittles. Skittles has no flavors. It's just food coloring. But Starburst, he took the test, and he knew those flavors. And I felt like a real horse's patoot. Sorry for the language. All the kids were totally distracted by the end. There's Starburst all over the desk. They're like, what are those two guys doing feeding each other Starburst? We didn't go that far. But nevertheless, Starburst, cut. You're out. I'm sorry. So we're not too different on this one. Oh. We're pretty close. But but there is <clears throat> the major difference here is I'm going to go ahead and start the Sour Patch Kids. Okay. Um, Respect and, that. And any really that had those like crystalline, sour, sugary things you could see on them like remember this there were also sour patch straws and i think that's the main thing because i don't know that i had this the sour patch kids as much when i was in high school uh, i worked as like a part of our student government or whatever one of the things that we had to do was man the like candy station that would open up when school ended and kids could come by sell stuff or whatever so i'd work in there and usually like at the end of the day you could take like one thing from the thing or whatever and i was always even though i'm much i'm like you i'm much more of a like a chocolate snickers or, or, or reese's or whatever like that's my go-to um i would take those sour patch straws like at the end of the day of school and just suck on those things forever and they were amazing and that general like where it hits you way too much at the front where you're just like ah and then it like settles in almost yeah. like Straight up. That's what's up. So Sour Patch Kids, I'm going to start. Okay. I'm going to put Skittles on a bench because Skittles are, are dope, like objectively good. Uh, you got to enjoy Skittles. Uh, and Starburst, I'm, I'm fine with. Like I'll ha like if it's around, like I'm not going to say no. Someone's like, you want a Starburst? I'm, I'm probably 90% of the time I'm going to take a Starburst. Take Which a Starburst. happens all the time. Everywhere I go, people go, hey, you want a Starburst? And I'm like, right. like please, I'm trying to do my shopping here. Skills though. Now that actually <laughs> now what if what if uh you found out that nerds were on the market and you could acquire nerds in a trade? Does that change your 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 roster? I'm starting nerds top one. Whoa. I'm trading power patch kids, Skittles, and Starbursts for a single carton of nerds. I love nerds. Nerds are phenomenal. Oh. There you have it, folks. Gary Stitches is the nerds of Halloween catchers. I lost it somewhere along the way, but I had it at some point. <laughs> Nailed it. And Halloween Havoc. There we go. All right. We we got in our wrestling reference. That's it. I'm just going to say Halloween Havoc. Just That's Halloween it. Havoc, right? Was that where they did the fireball spot that they totally screwed up? That was out of Halloween Havoc, right? What? Uh, Hogan and Ultimate Warrior? Or Warrior? Maybe. Yeah. Might have been. Greatest moment in Halloween Havoc history. Well, they they the they did the wheel on on uh, NXT I think this past week, which I'm sure they had a gimmick, which is smart because the one of the first actually the first time I think they busted that out was like '92 Halloween Havoc, and think of this matchup: it was Sting against Jake Roberts. Like you're like, oh, that is actually an intriguing match. Amazing. Well, they, yeah, they spun the wheel and it ended up landing on I think Coal Miner's glove match, exactly, and really. A coal miner's glove match. Apparently, you just climb up to the top of a pole. You grab the, you grab the glove and you win. But they they actually ratcheted it up a notch and they said, okay, you grab the glove and now you can use it as a weapon. It's just a gardening mitt with chain wrapped around it. So, so I think NXT kind of improved. It's almost hard to believe that WCW went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note we want to thank you all for hanging out with us today on this free trade friday talking catchers talking halloween candy just having a good time we appreciate you make sure to join us every day monday through friday at 405 p.m on the lives on facebook or periscope you want to hang out with us on wednesday on youtube for the dfa show you can also make sure that you do that you got to follow us on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rocky, so you don't miss any of the chatter there. And you've got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so that you don't miss any of the written content. 
Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, and you get to claim to be a part of one of the best and most friendly and inviting communities of sports fans anywhere in the world, at least in my experience. We appreciate you all for listening. We know that you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. Until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.